Welcome everybody in the Off the Ball Network fandom and beyond to your usual Wednesday night affairs at this point. We believe one of the top tier shows here at the Off the Ball Network, ah, we hope, uh, is the Bunts and Bruises podcast. As always, coming at you guys ready to spit all the knowledge we have on hockey and baseball. And just like last weekend, for the foreseeable future, we're going to have a lot of news on both fronts uh, with both seasons really hitting different points here. And we're excited to get to all the breaking news that happened after last week's show. Of course, all the important news has to break from last week. And, and the biggest piece of news, the MLB playoffs are upon us. The first game went down yesterday. I'm not going to spoil too much because we will be discussing it today. And of course, I cannot do it alone. As always, Iceman Jerg coming to you guys to lead things off with my partner in crime. The I would say he's the ace of this rotation. Uh, but my guy, the leadoff hitter, the power hitter, every, he, does, he does everything. He's a five-tool player, five-tool podcast host, ladies and gentlemen, James Barcia. James, how we doing? Oh, Jerry, you know, it's my favorite day of the week. I'm doing amazing, bud. I mean, there's as I say every week, nowhere I'd rather be than here. But uh, yeah, man, it was serious last night. I don't want to get too into it real quick, but it was a crazy game last night. Uh, we're having a little crossover episode this week. You know, I've been over to Somewhat Sports, but we're having a... One of the guys over on this show, and it's going to be a good time, Jerry. I'm excited. Indeed, we will. Uh, so for anyone who probably remembers one of our early episodes where there was a bit of a Freudian slip to the beginning, I do another podcast called the Somewhat Sports Podcast, and one of my guys there will be on the show today. We're going to bring him on in just a couple moments here to help us break down all the baseball talk in the world because already starting off a pretty interesting game, to say the least, last night. The final score may not have been technically close. It wasn't a blowout, but it wasn't you know, a one-run game either. But it was still a game to sink our teeth into and to have some discussion about to lead us into it. But before we get to that, I do have to break some NHL news that occurred. Of course, like I said, all the news breaks after, like the day after we record, James. I think the, uh, around the time the podcast got posted last week, this breaks. So, of course, I have to wait the entire time to talk about the NHL why do you always do this to me? Uh, but in reality, finally, after weeks and weeks and probably months of criticism towards them, the Vancouver Canucks got their act together and they were finally able to sign their two young studs who were RFAs this summer. Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes both finally inked deals. Quinn Hughes actually inked a pretty nice contract, a six-year, $47 million deal, a 7.85 cap hit per. And Elias Pettersson signed the shorter deal, a bridge deal, a three-year deal, about $22 million with a 7.35 million year cap hit. Uh, both guys finally signed. Vancouver finally gets those contracts done. And I'm just going to say, and, and I'm keeping it simple. I'm not going to dive too in depth to these deals because I feel like I've mentioned both guys on the show and I've saved my opinions. I feel Patterson is outstanding for it. He's a star going on superstar. Same with Hughes. He, he's honestly superstar offensively talented, but defensively he has to clean everything up. But finally, Vancouver, <laughs> you, you finally did everything. You got the job done. You got your guys signed. It was concerning for a long while. I actually, James, because, you know, we had the stuff weeks ago. Well, it feels a little longer than actually at this point. But back when Montreal and the Carolina Hurricanes, they had their whole offer sheet fiasco. When that happened, I, uh, myself, Logan, a couple of us hockey fans were like, oh, is someone going to do this to Vancouver? Is Vancouver about to get really trolled here? But no one did it. They let them figure it out with Hughes and Pedersen, and they got both guys locked in. I can't say anything else aside from the fact that I do like both deals. I think Hughes will continue to grow. I think Pedersen... This is just for him to get more money down the line. I got to say, a bang-up job that they finally did get it. James, when you saw this, was your first thought like, oh, finally, Jerk is going to give the Canucks some credit on the show? Because I haven't given them a lot of credit since we started this podcast. I really have not. No, I still didn't think you were going to give them any credit, Jerk. Come on. I think you stay you stay true to who you are, and I still believe it. And I'm actually shocked you gave him just a little credit. So, you know, kudos to you. 
Hey, I, I am more, well, I wasn't technically wrong. I have called them stooges in, uh, during the offseason for not figuring this out quicker, which I stand by. Uh, but they did finally get, uh, fix everything. They finally got their guys under contract, which is the most important thing. That's all you can ask for sometimes. It really is. But, you know, bang up job by Vancouver. They got both guys signed to good deals, like I said. Uh, and I just think for the organization going into the season with Pacific Division wide open, your guys are locked in now. They are, well, preseason's already started, so they're going to be with the team finally. They're going to reconnect. May take a little bit of time to start the season, I think, for them to really get into gear. But I think both guys overall, they're, they're going to be just fine uh, in regards to the 2021-2022 campaign and trying to help Vancouver with all they can. But hockey news out the way. Like I said, doing it really quick. For those that joined us last week, last week we did an Eastern Conference little preview. The West will be going on next week, most likely, barring any schedule changes. But the Western Conference breakdown will happen next week. Uh, because, of course, this takes all precedent. This takes all credence. James, the MLB playoffs have started, and I am absolutely excited. I mean, Jerk, I am just as excited, if not more excited, and I'm sure the fans are excited as well because I'm sure they're tired of us talking about the whole playoff page because these last two, three weeks of the season have been kind of insane. You know, playoffs been going left and right. We almost had a four-way tie at one point. I was hoping for that. Not, it wasn't Same. even for the fact that, you know, the Yankees needed to lose for that to happen. It was strictly <laughs> for the fact that it was a four-way tie. And I never thought I'd see that ever in my life. But, you know, we did get a crazy game yesterday. But, I mean, Jerk, before, if we're going to jump right into the baseball, without further ado, Iceman, let's go. Intro of uh, our future guest today. You're right. You're right. Future and soon to be right now. So, like I said, one of my cohorts on the Somewhat Sports Podcast that I do separate from our platform here on Off the Ball Network, a guy who knows his stuff when it comes to he, – he's a savant. He knows his basketball. He knows his football. He knows his baseball. Loves writing about baseball. This guy, he's put up a couple of articles that, you know, towards the end of the show when we let everyone shout their stuff out, of course we're going to let him do his thing because he he knows what he's talking about when it comes to the game. Big baseball fan, a slightly hurt Yankees fan. So, you know, you got, you got to give him a little bit. You know, if he sounds a little bit bitter <laughs> in the talk of the wild card game, you got to forgive him a bit. Well, this is one of my guys who I've personally known for a good bit. Love talking to him. Do a show with him on the weekly basis and bars. He's our type here, all bunts and bruises. May I present to you all, close friend of mine, friend of the show, my guy Dame. How are you guys doing today? I'm I'm personally not doing too great, like you said after yesterday, but I'm happy to be here, happy to be doing the show today. So here we are. <laughs> Thank you for coming, man. No. I know it hurts to get on. I know it's it's a rough one, but, you know, in due time, you're going to be all better, man. Probably when you see Boone get fired or whatever it may happen there. Oh, yeah. But, you know, is, do you want Boone to get fired, speaking of? Since the subject I, do. I do. do. I do. Hey, all, all before this year, I really was fond of him. And, I like, a couple years ago, two years ago, before the COVID year, I did think he got robbed of Ale Manager of the Year. I thought he did an amazing job that year when he, they had all those injuries and they still were a 100-win team. But after this year, like when they went through all these ups and downs, mostly downs, he just had some really questionable quotes at times. And to me, that really signaled that he was kind of out of it and he just wasn't doing the job he was supposed to do. So a team with this kind of lofty expectations, you just can't be giving quotes the way he was about like being positive and this and that. Like sometimes you just got to get on the team and just be honest and be like, listen, we're not playing well. Like we need to get better. Not whole, not stuff like we need to hopefully get better. We need to hopefully do this, hopefully do that. Like, I just thought he needed to be more, like, straight on about it. So, I personally will want him gone, but we'll see. For sure. And the main point that you brought up, I actually love the fact that it was all his quotes. That's one of the main reasons he should get fired because 
The main reason they did hire him was because he was in the media before. So you figured he was going to be that perfect person to deal with the New York media. And the fact that he's fumbling the bag right there, it's, you're right. It's looked like he's out of it and it's time to go. But uh, earlier today, we'll talk about the game in a little bit. We'll deep deeper into uh, the postseason game. But earlier today, I wanted to jump into this real quick. My New York Mets, unfortunately, got super unfortunate news. It's bad news for me, even though we weren't in the postseason. It's the worst news I could get right now. But I had high hopes that we had Theo Espiston come in here and be the president of my sad organization. But unfortunately, he decided, him and Steve Cohen, apparently decided real quick he wasn't the right fit. And it's kind of crazy to hear from a guy who helped the Red Sox after, what was it, like 186 years or something like that. And then the Cubs, it was like 126 years from winning World Series. And then he looks at us and he's like, yeah, no, sorry, nothing I could do. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a smack in the face. But I can't blame him because you got Steve Cohen over here. Yes, thank God he opened up his wallet and he got rid of the Will Pond being cheap and whatnot. But he got them Twitter fingers, man. And it's just really, I feel like that's hurting. And that's the main reason Theo probably isn't coming to the Mets because he's just like, I want zero to do with anything of this. Cause Steve Cohen acts like a fan. And yes, he is a fan yep. that did buy the team, but that's just bad business, man. He's got his heart tied to it and he's not thinking with his head, like a good businessman should be. Uh, what's your thoughts on why Theo probably isn't taking this job and who might be a good spot for the Mets to take? Honestly, I never thought Theo was going to be a realistic option because just throughout the year and then when they he was let go by the Cubs, I thought a lot of the stuff I read was just that he wanted to be involved in baseball, like the baseball offices, just making a better on-field product and trying to help the commissioner with that and just all those baseball people. So I didn't really think he was interested in coming back to the front office. And then today I read he's also interested in like forming his own ownership group one day. So, like, obviously not being part of the baseball offices on the field, like, helping the on-the-field product. Like, obviously, if you went into the Mets front office, I wouldn't really help both sides of what he was trying to do. So, I never really thought he was a realistic option. I thought he was kind of like that pipe dream for really really any any team that's looking for a general manager, but specifically the Mets. When you mentioned the Steve Cohen thing, like, I do agree. I do think, obviously, it was an upgrade from the Will Ponds. Like, that was just bad. But, like, he really does act like a fan, but he needs to realize, like, he's a – He's the owner of a baseball team. Like, you really can't be tweeting every day about the result of the game or what you're thinking. Like, that's something you keep in house. You talk to the general manager, you talk to the manager, you talk to the players, something like that. But he shouldn't be going on Twitter about it. But who I think they should go after next? Well, I thought it could have been Billy Bean from the Oakland A's, but then I saw today that that's unlikely to happen as well. So that kind of sucks. But honestly, I think they should just go for anybody in the Dodgers or uh, Rays organization because. I, I'm always a believer. Same thing I thought with the Knicks in basketball, just to cross over a little bit. Like, when they're looking for a general manager or, like, any scouts or anything like that, like, I always just look to these organizations that keep getting it done year after year, player development, stuff like that. So, I always thought they should go somewhere with the Spurs, the Heat, the Warriors, teams like that. So, with the Mets, I think they should be looking maybe not for a big brand name, like, say, a Billy Bean or a, a Theo FC now, but they should definitely look – inside the Rays organization or the Dodgers organization to see if they could bring out and develop their own kind of general manager and make him a big name in their own organization. For sure, man. I completely understand and agree with that. You mentioned the Knicks. You look at the uh, the Nets. They got Sean Marks coming yeah. out of the Spurs organization. Jerk, what was your thoughts earlier today when I texted you that Theo said no to the job? I know you, you, 
you know I was hurting. So what was your thoughts? It didn't really surprise me because I think you guys have summarized it best. When you have an owner that, yes, while it's nice that Steve Cohen is more willing to open the checkbook, while it's nice that he's a relatively involved owner to an extent, he sometimes goes too far. And the thing, like you guys have said, when you're tweeting every single thought you had, at some point when you're criticizing the players on the field, you're kind of directly, indirectly criticizing the general manager who brought him in. Now, this year, it didn't really matter because obviously none of the guys that the Mets brought in were going to hold that job long term or didn't want to hold the job long term because they want to be scumbags in their previous occupations in life. But regardless, my thing is that had he hired Theo Epstein and let's say the Mets start solid next season, but then they have like a bad 10 game stretch. If he tweets something about the roster not clicking like Theo Epstein is just like, excuse me, I put this team together. What the heck are you talking about? So like that, and like Dame said, normally there's discourse between the general manager and the owner, but if the owner would tweet that, that discourse is no longer private. It is fully public and it creates a story that doesn't need to be there. So I can't be surprised if Theo Epstein just didn't want to deal with that, you know, uh, pony and clown show where it's like, yeah, no, thanks. I'm not, I'm not going to go somewhere where my decisions could get tweeted, uh, tweeted by my boss for Christ's sakes. So no. Uh, in regards to what you guys have talked about, who could replace him? I don't have a name off the top of my head, but I love what Dame is going at where don't go after the same retreads. Don't go keep going after these guys that, yes, while Epstein and Billy Bean and them have had success, like at some point they don't want to do it anymore, right? Like at some point they want to move on. Like we, we've heard before, Billy Bean wants to do things outside of just managing a team. So I think the idea of someone in the Dodgers, someone in the Rays organization, the Red Sox have actually, you know, they built themselves back up pretty quickly. You know, they collapsed after their last World Series, but now they've built themselves back up. Obviously, they're a playoff team again. Other teams who have gone through a bit of rebuild recently, the White Sox, who finally built up this team in the prospect pool, the Padres, yes, they flamed out, but again, building up to like there's all these organizations that have found success recently in varying forms. You should look at people from within there. Because they're learning from people who are finding success. And I think the top two, like Dame said, it's the Dodgers and Rays. And that's what the Dodgers did when they hired Andrew Freeman. They look at him. He was working with the Rays. Like, let's bring this guy over and look what he's done. Look at the amazing drafting he's been doing. NL Rookie of the Year after NL Rookie of the Year. Look at the roster he's built. Like, yes, they're still paying a lot, but they've cut out all the terrible contracts. You can't name one bad contract on the Dodgers anymore. Where earlier in, like, the early 2010s, they had, like, four or five. So, that's a job well done by him, and that's what I think the Mets should go for. Because let's be real with the Mets, and this is—I'm sorry, Bars. You guys probably going into next year have two or three bad contracts on the roster right now. You probably Pro- do. Probably more, man. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what you have to do, you have to find the guy who is going to be there long term, who could probably clear out some of that money and help build from there. I think that's what the Mets should go for. Don't keep going after the names because you've been trying to do that for a decade and it hasn't gotten you anywhere, right? Learn to build well, 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 in defense, we've been going for names, but they can't afford the names until the last year. So in in defense of the going for the names thing, but you are 100 percent right. I do agree with you on that. But let's jump back, you know, quick 180. Let's go back to this big Yankee game. We didn't really get deep into it. We didn't pay it enough respect. Just had to quickly throw in my misery with this breaking (laughs) news from this morning. But, you know, uh, Misery loves company. So sorry, Dan, but we got to get a deep dive into it. What was your initial reaction when I, I'm just going to go straight into it? So on the wound. Sorry, man. Your initial reaction when it was bomb of the second and sorry, bomb of the first and just boom, two runs right there off the rip from Garrett Cole. 
I mean, obviously it wasn't the start I envisioned, but like at the end of the day, it's only two nothing. And this Yankee team and Yankees have always been known for their great hitting. They're called the Bronx Bombers for a reason. So I wasn't too worried that they were down to nothing. In most cases, like I kind of like my team being down at first in the beginning, if as long as it's not too big of a deficit. So I was I was okay with being down to nothing. Like this offense should definitely be able to get more than two runs. And I wasn't worried that Cole was gonna implode or anything like that. Like he made a bad pitch to Bogart, so off speed pitch over the plate. And I thought it was gonna be fine. Obviously, that wasn't the case with Cole at the end of the day. But as for what I thought in the uh, second inning, I wasn't too worried because I expected the offense to start clicking and score more than two runs. Were you shocked when uh, Aaron Boone decided to pull Cole after two innings, even though it was only two runs? And initially, uh, three runs actually. Initially, I think it was at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, it was three. Yeah, initially I was shocked because I was like. Damn, like you're paying this guy, like let him get out of it, let him work out of it. Like I've seen him, I watch every Garrett Cole start. Like I might not watch every Yankee game, but I watch every Garrett Cole start because he is basically the most important player on the Yankees. So I've seen him get in trouble and work out of things like that. But initially I was like, well, what are you doing? But as the game went on and I saw how dominant that bullpen was, I kind of understood his decision. It's like it's a one cut, one game, go win or go home kind of deal. So if you see anyone struggling, you just got to pull him. You just got to go to the next guy and if just trust that. So then I eventually understood it. But in the beginning, I, I was really confused on why he did it. Uh, Jerk, before uh, before this game today, we spoke a bunch about, you know, the sticky stuff situation on plenty of episodes. We even mentioned Garrett Cole, even when uh, Josh Donaldson called him out and then Garrett Cole basically threw like 10 plus strikeouts the very next game. Do you think that has anything to do with how his performance happened here in the playoffs? Or you think it's just completely unrelated? It's just bad game for, you know, a great pitcher. I think it's unrelated because when you look at what he did ever since that whole sticky stuff situation early on in the season, he put himself firmly back in the AL Cy Young award race. Like he, he struggled a little bit when it first happened. Everyone was throwing the barbs at him like, oh, can't do much with that sticky stuff. Right. And then, like you said, like Josh Johnson calls him out 10 strikeouts his next start. Like. And he had which month was it where his like ERA was like sub two or around around something like that? Like he he was just putting up start after start, W after W. Like yes, he has bad starts, and I think that's all you got to chalk it up to at the end of the day. Like even aces, even dominant pitchers, they will have their bad starts. You look at all of MLB history. Like Randy Johnson's had a bad start in his career. Nolan Ryan has certainly had bad starts in his career. All these guys will struggle, and I think that's just the case. Where Garrett Cole, we're, this is the thing. He's so excellent. We're so used to these one-game situations he's going to show up that when he finally doesn't, we're going to point to that immediately. But I don't think that's scared him. I just think that the, the Red Sox caught him on the worst possible day. And I think at the end of the day, like Dame said, the final score was what? Six to two, right? Boston won? Mm-hmm. Six to Six runs? Like, you can't produce more than that? So, that like, that's my biggest thing to kind of switch the combo off now. It's like, to me... The most shocking thing was the fact that the Yankees offense just could not get going. And I know in part because I saw some of the highlights in the replays, the green monster, man, like, like, Oh, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> that, Stanton. I, I forget. I heard the stats earlier, like Stanton's long shot that he had that hit off the wall. It went 400 feet. Yeah. It's a home run in every other stadium. Yeah. In every other stadium that would have easily been a homer, but obviously the green monster, it, it's not, and as just something where it's like, I understand you want to try to point to Cole, but like you said, they pulled him after three runs, uh, after he allowed the three runs. The bullpen played pretty good, uh, still allowed another three, but that's not insurmountable. Six runs is not something crazy. And the, that Yankees offense, especially how they were performing these last couple of weeks to secure their wild card spot, 
that's the biggest disappointment to me. Like if we're, yes, it was, it, it sucked to see Garrett Cole didn't perform well. Cause you love great players having those great performances, but that Yankees offense is the one that needs to draw the most ire. Cause that was, that was not good. I mean, considering the fact that you had to start bringing in the bullpen at the third bullpen play phenomenal, realistically, they played way more longer than they should have, but let's talk about the biggest moment that everyone's going to be talking about during this game. It's already, you know, it's one, it's, Hang on, sorry. I want to make sure I get the right box score. There you go. Perfect. Rizzo hits the home run. It's 3-1. Judge is there on the second. He gets on first. And then we have Stanton hit deep center. He goes to second. Someone waves. I forget who was it. Waves Judge over across the street. Exactly. And it was just the worst call you could have possibly done at that moment. He's out. And all you just, it felt like you a balloon deflating. All the air was just let out of the room because you knew it. That was the moment right there that this Bronx Bombers offense, Dane's mentioning, was supposed to come back up and just, you know, get this lead back. At any point, did you think they had a chance to basically reboost it and try and get it back? You know, maybe do one more second win game? Man, of course, as a Yankee fan, I'm always going to be optimistic. Like, I was out at a, a restaurant yesterday with a bunch of friends. Like, I'm not going to sit there and be like, damn, this game's over. And I think it was like the fifth or sixth inning or something like that. Like, of course, I saw it hope, but end of the day that was so deflating because you get judge on first you stand hits a shot home run in every any other park and you could have had second and third with one out with joey gallo coming up and then glaber Torres and stuff like he could have got another run in with an out like and it would have been three two and a lot of could have changed in that moment baseball is a very momentum driven game so at that point red sox have a momentum but then rizzo is the home run judge gets up stand it's another shot after he hit the first shot in the first inning like you could see the momentum swing in the Yankees' favor. Then, boom, perfect relay from the center fielder to Bogart to the catcher. Gets Judge out, and boom, all the momentum swings back to the Red Sox. And at that point, it's like, damn, this is going to be extremely, extremely tough. I don't know if they're going to pull out, but, of course, as a Yankee fan, I just had to have that hope and faith that they could have, but it wasn't looking good. Uh, I love that you at least you acknowledge it. Like, as a Yankee fan, you know, I was all in no matter what. <laughs> Jerk. So as the, uh, you know, the non-biased third party, as always, how do you feel when you witnessed that moment? Were you as optimistic as Dame was? Like, you know, it's the Yankees. They still got it. Right. Like just on a talent perspective, I'm always going to assume that a team should still continue to mount a comeback, should have their moments. And like Dame said, there were a couple moments later in the game, but just at the end of the day, man, like it felt like it. When you, when you see it, even looking back, like I, I watched that same play about like three, four times today. And I'm just like, yeah, that, at that point, it, it felt like the writing was on the wall, on the green monster wall that the Red Sox were just going to take it because, like Dame said, like I, I don't think we talk about this enough. Like momentum exists. I, I I fully believe momentum does exist. And when you have something like that happen, it it's not physically where momentum is a thing. It's mentally, man. And baseball, I think of all the sports, you could argue is the most mental when you're up there because it's literally like your coach can tell you everything when you're uh, before you get to the plate while you're on the bases and all that. But when you're up at that plate, it's you're literally by yourself, and it's you against the pitcher, technically the catcher, but you and the pitcher, one v one, mano y mano, and you get outdone. And when you see that happen to your teammates, that starts to put the doubt in your mind, like what, where is my hit going to go? How far am I going to get? You know, does it does it matter? You know, I hate to say, it. and kind of like what we talked about with Boone, it's all about how in are you? And I really do think some of the Yankees players got psyched out after that happened. I really do, and it, it sucks to say. Because I think that team this year, with how they were performing to the end, they there were some fields there that they could have and probably should have made a run to the, at least the ALCS. But 
hey, it, it happens sometimes in these one game scenarios that teams that, you know, we thought should have made a run, should have done better, just get, you know, wiped out. And hey, that might happen tonight, too. That might happen tonight, too, for all intents and purposes. I love how you brought it up, Jared, because speak momentum. We got to talk about one of the hottest teams at towards the end of the season. Their postseason odds were like at one and a half percent at one point. I believe it was like something outrageous. But here they are ending the year. I believe it was 17 plus streak game winning streak. But we got the St. Louis Cardinals at Los Angeles against the reigning champs. Adam Wainwright versus Max Scherzer. Two of the best offenses in the league. It's just, it's everything you want. Unfortunately, you got Mad Max injured on the Los Angeles side. So that's a bat, you know, not only is it a big bat, but that's a locker room presence. You know, a guy who's been there, done that with the team. Reminds everyone how he's a, he's a baseball player. You know, I love saying that, Jerry. It's a terrible description for him, but he's a baseball player. He loves the game. He plays all infield positions, all that. It's just a guy you need in your locker room. But regardless, we got the Hall of Fame lineup of Paul Goldschmidt, uh, Nolan Arenado, Yadi Molina. And then you also have the young hot gun and Tyler O'Neill and Tommy Edmond. It's just I this game might be as good, if not better, than the game last night was. And emotions are going to range high. Going into this game, who do you think has the advantage, Dame? And who do you think overall is just going to end up winning it? I think this is going to be a better game than it was yesterday because, well, maybe that's just biased because the Yankees lost. But these two teams are just, I think, better than the two teams I played yesterday. The Dodgers, obviously, although they are the wild card, they did have over 100 wins and the second best record in the league. Just sucks that they were in the division with the Giants. As for the Cardinals, this team midseason was kind of in the hunt and then boom, out of nowhere, 17-game win streak, and they absolutely demolished everybody else who was going for that second wild card spot. So, Again, with the momentum, like Cardinals have momentum right now. Although the Dodgers have just been good all year, the Cardinals have that momentum riding from that 17-game 17, 17 win streak. So they're going to ride that into this game. However, Max Scherzer versus Adam Raymright, like I'm going to give the edge to Max Scherzer. He's been there in the postseason. He's done it. He's won a World Series at the Nationals. He's been in these one-game go-home or win games. But the Dodgers just have the better overall roster to me from – starting pitching to bullpen to lineup. That's why I'm probably going to go with them as well as the home field advantage obviously always helps. Uh, don't get me wrong. Although the Cardinals have been winning away and home, but just Max Scherzer being there doing that and the Dodgers just having a better lineup and a better bullpen compared to the Cardinals is why I think the Dodgers are going to end up winning this game, but I'm very excited to watch it. It's going to be a great game and I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals win. Like I don't think it's a lock that the Dodgers will, but that's just my hunch. The Dodgers will come out on top at the end of this game. Jarek, are you with the overall consensus as well that the Dodgers are going to end up winning today? Or do you think uh, the Cardinals could, you know, pull one out of nowhere? The thing is, is that I actually do think the Cardinals could potentially pull one out of nowhere. Like we said, like we had a couple weeks ago with uh, Kenton on. The Cardinals are my sneaky team here, man, because they're dangerous. They've pulled to form. And it's always the St. Louis Cardinals for all of our, the three, we got three confirmations here that the entirety of our lives, the St. Louis Cardinals have lived by making it to the postseason out of nowhere and can make a run here and there. They, don't forget, they got two World series within the last like 15, 20 years. So anything can happen with this organization, man. It really can. That being said, however, I will favor the Dodgers just because they have been the team that I have picked this entire time to win. I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm not going to shy away. There is some concerns about Mad Max. But here's the thing that I think with playoff baseball, you, you I feel like you always got to remember it when b- playoff baseball first starts. 
teams don't go five deep in their starting rotation anymore. They predominantly have their main three, right? And if the Dodgers feel they need to pull Mad Max early, whoever their fourth or fifth starter was during the regular season, they could put him in as their quote unquote reliever if they choose to. Like that, that's one of the ways, that's one of the uh, strategies, excuse me, that you can do in the playoffs. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Dodgers try to do that because I think in this game, first certain, like the, the goal for them right now is just to win this one. And game one of the NLDS will be game one when, when they get there slash if they get there. Right now, it's all about surviving tonight. And I think that's what their ultimate goal is going to be. Max Scherzer, like you said, Bars is a little bit dinged up. I still have confidence that he could go. I mean, he may just pull out another vintage performance and he goes like seven, eight, and maybe all nine. But I would be shocked if he has a, a pretty good five, six innings and the Dodgers have a solid lead. I could see them go into the the bullpen early to try to close it out. And like Dame said, like the Dodgers have a good bullpen. Like the, this team just always finds a way to have good arms there that they, if they need to go to, they can. And it's more of the same this season. It really is. For sure. I'm reading right now. He's Dodgers have won all 11 of Mad Max's starts. He's seven and oh, and he has under two ERA. It's one nine, eight. It's just, you know, how could you ever bet against that? And you jerk, I know when the Washington Nationals were listening to our podcast, because you were saying before anyone, even before it was a whisper of a rumor, you said it, you said Nationals should trade Mad Max. And here we are, Mad Max on the Dodgers. I think this game is going to be amazing, man. I think if not a pitcher duel because Adam Wainwright has been doing amazing as well. He has a 3-5, which is, you know, it's not the greatest ERA, but that's a good ERA nowadays, especially with the way the ball's flying out. He's, he's found his, the uh, fountain of youth, James. I'm sure. convinced that man I was about to say, Yeah, 40 years old, he's considering, he's in NL Cy Young consideration, so it's kind of wild. But it's really, it comes down to the bats, man. It's whoever could show up basically at the end of the day and match the bat, uh, the ball out of the stadium. But regardless, whoever ends up winning tonight, I can't wait to watch this, is going to have to play, in my mind, the best team in baseball, and that's San Francisco Giants. Uh, just, you know, quick breakdown for everybody real quick. In the NLDS, it's San Fran holding number one spot. And then on the other side, you got uh, the Brewers and Atlanta Braves playing in the next round. But let's bounce back to this. Do any of these teams have a chance against the Giants, Dame, if uh, whoever wins, you know, whether it be the reigning champs or the hottest team in the league right now? I do. I think either one of the teams have a chance, but specifically the Dodgers, me, because I picked them. But regardless, like, these teams have had their epic matchups throughout the regular season battling for that uh, division title. But if they do work to match up, I, I would pick the Dodgers to win that series. Based off the fact that I just overall think the Dodgers have the best roster in the entire league top to bottom, but uh, I just think the Dodgers have the postseason experience that the, the Giants might not have. I don't know when the last time the Giants were in the playoffs, but I know a lot of these players are now on that roster. You know, the manager was in there. Most of that rotation and lineup was in there. I know they signed a lot of guys to one-year deals this offseason, so I definitely know they weren't there with the Giants for these past few years, but the Dodgers, the team obviously won the World Series last year, and they brought back most of the same roster. Max Scherzer was in the postseason. He's in the World Series. He's a champion. So is Trey Turner. Like, these guys have been there and done that. So I would have the Dodgers taking that series over the Giants. Although I do think it would go the full five games and it would be an absolute epic showdown. Battle California right there. Jerk, I'm not even going to bother asking you because I already know you got Dodgers winning it all. So let's look on the other side really quick right now. We got the Brewers versus Atlanta. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jerk. Two weeks ago when we had Ken on, you had the Braves as your dark horse, right? That was that was his actually. That, that was, was his. Oh, sorry, sorry. So, well, let's have, shout out Kenton. You. <laughs> shout out to Kenton. 
but bouncing right back to you, Jerg. Uh, this matchup, who do you think has the advantage? Who do you think is coming out and why? It's going to be interesting here because I think when you look at both teams' rosters, like we said, there's really a lot of similarities between the two clubs. There really is, right down to the fact of who their top two pitchers are, where you have Max Fried and Charlie Morton on the Braves. You have Woodruff and Burns on the Brewers. You have some pretty good hitters on both sides. Not exactly spectacular names per se, but guys who have had good seasons, performed well. I mean, granted, I, I got to give respect for you on Freddie Freeman. I know he's a baller, but still, you know. On both sides, it's pretty even. And they also have superstars who aren't going to factor in the series because Ronald Acuna is injured. And Christian Yelich, like I said before, he's not injured, but he might as well because he's been terrible this season. Like, I think a lot of people don't realize it until you look at the stats. He's fallen off the face of the earth this year as a former NL MVP. Cody Bellinger kind of has two, by the way, for the Dodgers. I don't know. There there may be an NL MVP curse going on, you know, that, that we're not <laughs> talking enough about, boys. Just saying, we got to look at it. Um, but I think ultimately when it comes to both teams, I think the difference, and we kind of alluded to this, it was last week or the week before at Bars, where whoever gets to the other team's aces is ultimately going to win this series. And I got to believe that the Braves lineup has the better odds of getting to the Brewers' aces. Just because of the fact, I think, if I had to put the four guys in front of me, Freed, Morton, Woodruff, and Burns, I might take Burns first, you know, respectively, because he, he has been great this year. But I think Woodruff is last. And so I think having the two, three of the top four kind of matters to the Braves. I really do. And I look at the the depth of hitters bars when we talked about the trade deadline back when it happened and our little review of it. We mentioned how the Braves got a bunch of hitters at the deadline. And I think it's for this exact reason to where they're going to throw some different lineups. Like there may be in games one and two when it is going to be Burns and Woodruff. They may take guys out for pinch hit opportunities after just like two, three at-bats, try to throw off the Brewers a little bit, try to get them to maybe go to their bullpen. And we said it last week, the, the Brewers bullpen had a massive blow to it when one of their guys decided to try to be Amari Stoudemire for an early Halloween costume. So all that being said, I have to lean slightly towards the Braves here because I believe their bats will get it done. I can't necessarily say playoff experience because both teams that, you know, they've both made the playoffs in recent years. The Braves were in the NLCS last year, the Brewers more than a couple years ago, but they were recently in an NLCS, relatively speaking. Like both teams have guys who have been there, who have made the playoffs, who have had good performances. I, I just think it's all about who's going to catch fire at the right moment. And I have to think that this Braves team can do that and would want to do that because this is, I really do think this is a prime opportunity for the Braves here and what they could do for the playoffs. Like we've talked about the last couple of years, it's all about taking steps. They need to take a step as a team here. They need to at least get back to the NLCS. After the heartbreak of last season, they at least need to get back there. Anything less than that, I think would be a disappointment. I actually, I I disagree with you, believe it or not. For once, I think the Brewers <laughs> are the better team here. I think, they, I think it's the pitching. You already mentioned that. I think Woodruff and Burns and... Yes, they did lose Devin Williams last uh, week because, you know, he decided to punch a wall, fire hydrant, <laughs> whatever. Something jumped out at him. Who knows? Regardless. But uh, they still got Josh Hader back there, man. And it's just, you know, the Brewers, they don't – they're not a sexy team at all. Mm-hmm. At all. But that's exactly what you need in the playoffs to win. They do all the little things. They still steal the ball. They play good defense. Yes, they got Christian Yelich, who is god-awful. He's the, I drafted him in fantasy. I don't know why, but <laughs> – Regardless, I I think they're the team that's going to end up winning, but I could 100% get why you're saying, Jerry, because overall, if it does end up coming to it, you're right. Atlanta does have the better offense. Uh, Dame, whose side do you think more and why? Because honestly, it's just – really, this could be anyone's game. It really is a toss-up out, I think, all the matchups. 
this is probably to me one of the most evenly matchups um in all the all these playoffs. Like these teams are so evenly matched. The Braves with their hitting, like you said, the Brewers with their pitching. But I'm gonna have to sour you on this. I have the Brewers winning this series. It's just their pitching at the end of the day is why I would go with them. Overall, the Braves really haven't been that good this year. Like they maybe they look like it because they won that NL East, but they didn't have 90 wins. A lot of these teams that they even make the playoffs, like the Blue Jays, would probably wouldn't have they would would have won that division if they were in it with their 91 wins or something like that. So overall, I think we kind of overlooked that part that the Braves really weren't that good. And for most of the season, they were sitting third or fourth in that division behind the Mets and the Phillies. So for that, I think the Brewers, who have been pretty steady throughout the season because of their pitching, like you said, although Devin Williams obviously celebrating and breaking his hand and being out for a year is gonna really hurt them. I still think they have enough starting pitching and enough bullpen to win that series against the Braves. So I think Ronald Acuna, if he was there, though, I think that would have made an extremely big difference because he is a big game player. And we've seen him come up in big moments in the postseason. But just based off how these rosters show up now and the way that regular season went for both these teams, I'm going to have to side with the Brewers on this one. Both teams with outfielders that just screwed my fantasy <laughs> team. Yelich on one, Acuna. Regardless, he way, hopes he hopes neither of these teams uh, can win, uh, make it to the World Series. <laughs> if they could tie, I'd be happy. And <laughs> <laughs> endless uh, extra innings in Game Five. That's what he wants. But speaking of toss up, this is I think the closest matchup. But let's bounce over to what I think is the second closest matchup, and another. I'm, I'm just going to be excited to watch this series as well. And we're talking about the uh, the Houston Cheaters, Houston Astros, and the uh, the Chicago White Sox. This is just, it's you, it's the sexy team that just came out. They're young. They dealt with a whole bunch of injuries, but then they came back with injury. Uh, they got back and got healthy towards the end of the year. You had Lance Lynn coming out of nowhere and being almost a side young pitcher. And then you got Houston on the other side who just, you know, cheating, not cheating, whatever it may be. They just, they keep winning. They know how to do it. Simple as that. You know, they just, and the worst part about it is they think they're smart and everybody, but regardless, we're not going to get into that. Uh, who do you got coming out of this one, Dame, and why? Well, again, this is another matchup that's so even, like, you have Houston with their hitting and their experience. Like, they've been there, done that, cheating or not. Like, they just, like you said, they find a way to get it done, which is why well, it's more frustrating why they cheated, but I'm not going to get into that. But their hitting has been spectacular, the best in the league this year. And then you have the White Sox, whose pitching has been absolutely stellar with uh, Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, and Carlos Rendon, who have all pitched like aces this year. And they have that dominant bullpen with Liam Hendricks and Craig Kimbrell at the end. And, of course, that hitting. Although it's young, like it's got the job done with the starting pitching they do have. This is really tough for me to pick between these two, two teams because it could really go either way. But I'm going to go with the Astros and their experience and their hitting that they have. I just think at the end of the day, although pitching is so important in the postseason when you need that one started to win you that one game, I think hitting is very underrated when it comes to the postseason because hitting could be any kind of pitcher and they could hitting as well swings momentum, in my opinion. So with Carlos Correa, Altuve, Bregman, and that entire lineup, I think they're going to eventually get to these uh, White Sox starters who also haven't really been there in that postseason, haven't really done that compared to like the Astros hitting, like I said. So although I think it's going to be a spectacular series, and I, I'm personally going to be rooting for the White Sox because I hate the Astros and what they did, but my gut and is telling me that the Astros are going to take take this series at the end of the day. For sure. I, I think you're right where it comes with the uh, the young team and the White Sox. Just They haven't been there yet, you know, so it's just it's the bright lights for them right now, especially due to the fact that 
like I said, they were beat up and injured most of the season. They just finally started coming together towards the this last month of the season. And even so, they you got Elo Jimenez, who he was hot, and then he wasn't hot. You got Lewis Robert, who he was same thing. He's been a little streaky lately. I think he's back on a good hot streak. Uh, Jerk, who do you got winning, and why is it the Astros, essentially? <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, then. No, no hope for the Chicago White Sox on this I podcast. know my co-host. Simple as that. No sir. no hope for the Chicago White Sox. I hate it when you're right. Yeah, I I, I was leaning towards, towards those boys because I do like young teams. I do like exciting teams. And I, I will say, Lance Lynn and Carlos Rodon do kind of scare me in regards to what they could do because, like, obviously both guys have had such good seasons. Uh, really, that starting rotation, like Giolito had a pretty good year. Cease, uh, Cease, however you say his last name, one of the few last names I don't really know on the show. Uh, Cease, he's, yeah. Cease, Cease yeah. hey, right the first time. Let's go, boys. Uh, <laughs> he He's had a pretty good year. Like all four of those guys, their ERAs are well below four. And especially when you look at Radon and Lynn. But I do have to go with the Astros ultimately due to the fact, like kind of like we, what we said, by hook or by crook on uh, what it's been recently. Like, they're proving themselves again. Carlos Correa looks like a phenomenal player once again. Jordan Alvarez has become, I think, in, like, another two to three years, he's gonna his name's going to be up there in that AL MVP consideration once again. That kid is talented. And if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Shohei Otani didn't exist, maybe his name would probably be up there more. But those two guys were just, like, historically special this season. You kind of forget some of these other guys. Like, Jordan Alvarez was a 3,100 player this year. He's a really good player guy to have in that rotation that after they you know after george springer left you know you're wondering where you're going to get some of that power from he stepped right in easily uh guriel on this team he does well he does good as well he's one of their top batting average players jose altuve once again after struggling back in 2020 when everyone thought like oh did he really need all the cheating he he's a, a sham of a player once again he had like just a tick below 320 on the season uh carlos correa i probably said his name already but you know it's worth mentioning twice because he is electric he's talented he's hit we're talking about guys who have been there before who have showed a big he's hit big shots for this team before big home runs to make it to a world series so i do have to lean towards the astros in my analysis here but i will say i wouldn't be surprised at all if the white Sox actually pulled this out because i think if there is one thing that could get the astros caught it's great to elite caliber pitching and if the Mm -hmm. white Sox can harness that then i i wouldn't be surprised if they're the ones that advance here because i think you you said it yourself, Dame. Like, how do you counteract great pitching? It's with great hitting, but it's also the same the other yeah. way. How yeah, how yeah. do you count? How do you counteract the great hitting? It's with great pitching. And earlier in the season, like our midseason awards, James Radone and Lynn were both of our like AL Cy Young candidates at least, and are like top three, top four. And for the most part, like Radone and Lynn have both still performed well. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see some performances like that again because those guys have been good and they've been much needed for this White Sox team this season. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I agree with both of you guys. It's, you look at the offense that Astros have, and like we've all said, been there, done that. But when you're starting game one with Lance McCullers, you know, I'll bet he's having a good season. It's, you know, I, I'm not feeling comfortable. It's not like when you were throwing out uh, Garrett Cole or Justin Verlander or even, uh, what's his name, Zach Granke out there. And then you got Fran Mel Valdez, the, you know, young gun. He hasn't really been there. He's Yes, he's pitched phenomenal this year. And, yes, he will be something great. But he hasn't been there. He hasn't done that. He's going against Lucas Giolito, who, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, he won the AL Cy Young last year, right? Or he came in second? I think he came in second. All right. Regardless, either way, he was a candidate. Yeah, I forgot who yeah, he yeah. was as well. But 
regardless. The only thing that I got against the White Sox is you need all three of those guys to be on the top of their game for you know them to have a shot. And it's more likely that the offense for the Astros is going to click together and get those run support they need than it is for the White Sox to have each individual pitcher end up having a phenomenal game. And then you got to trust the bullpen. And although Liam Hendricks and the rest of the bullpen has been phenomenal, you got to trust them to carry it almost every other game too. I'm not liking the probability chance. But regardless, I'm not hearing a lot of good probability for the team that won yesterday. We're going to start off with you, Jerry, because I've been trying to delay this long enough for Dame to, you know, just <laughs> take a breath and give us an honest opinion. But with you, Jerry, uh, who, not even who, because I think we all know who, how do you feel about this matchup with uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, who were in the World Series, as everyone knows, last year, playing the Boston Red Sox uh, winners of last night? It's going to be interesting. I love it when divisional foes can face off against each other in the in the MLB playoffs. I think it just adds something extra. And I think on both sides, it's the Red Sox coming off this big win over the Yankees now wanting to try to see if they can make a run here. After a couple seasons, ever since that World Series, like we said, they collapsed. Like, let's just be honest. Let's call it like we see it. They absolutely collapsed. There were doubts going into the season. All three of us, I could say this for certainty because I do shows with both these gentlemen on a weekly basis. All three of us had doubts about the Boston Red Sox coming into the season. Pitching was the number one reason for it. And their pitchers, while at times have kind of, you know, reverted back, they've had relapses into previous performances. Those guys, for the most part, have been better this year. And I think the the hitting core being back and healthy, J.D. Martinez looked like himself again this season, as well as the rest of that core. I think the Rays have a lot to prove here because I think despite how good they've been, I think a lot of people would love to point to the fact that, oh, you got to avoid the Yankees. Now you're facing the Red Sox. Last season, you got to avoid the Rays, uh, the Red Sox. Uh, The Yankees weren't a factor in your run. Like just all this stuff in regards to what the Rays have been. I feel like a lot of people tried to little brother this team for a long time because essentially the entire AL East is little brother to the Red Sox and the Yankees. Let's just call it as it is. They are little brother to those teams. And I think the race have something to prove here. And look, man, they've built up such a talented roster. They have so they from good young players on this team like Glass now and Randy Rosarena to the veterans that they have. They they made a an addition or two at the trade deadline as well when it didn't really feel like they had to. They just did it because they can. Like this team just has talent, man. And the Rays feel like the kind of team where they should win this series. I'm not going to say handily. Like I, this series to me is definitely going four. Maybe a game five if Boston can catch fire in one of these games. But at the end of the day, I I have to give it to the Rays because I think heartbreak from last season sets in. I think they're going to be, you know, uh, motivated to at minimum make it to the ALCS once again because they want to try to get back. Uh, Dame, uh, I'm just I'm going to assume you're, you know, not even assume. I know you're 100 percent diehard Yankee fan and this is kind of like a pick your poison situation, but Common sense tells me you're going with the Rays because you just want the Red Sox to, you know, just get flummeled. Yeah, I mean, I do have the Rays winning, but at the end of the day, I have no bias in this because I hate these teams both equally. The Rays, just for the past couple of years, we've not been able to beat them at all, and the Red Sox is just a lifelong thing, just not liking them. But I'm going with the Rays here, and I'm going to go with them in four games. I think they just have an overall better roster, hands down. And I just—I never was a believer in this Red Sox team throughout the regular season. I just thought they've been really overachieving with the talent they do have. Props to them, though. Like, they've been overachieving compared to, like, my Yankees with their roster. They've been underachieving. But at the end of the day, the Rays have the better pitching from starting pitching to bullpen. I think they have a better situational hitting as well. 
This Red Sox lineup with JD Martinez out with that ankle after tripping over second base. It's a the funny thing is too. He does it every time he's also goes on to the field. It's like a superstitious thing. So I keep doing it after this or not, but you just throwing that out there. Um, but the Red Sox lineup really comes down to Devers and Bogarts. And if they're not going, uh, then the, the, that offense really is well. But as for the Rays, they could go one through nine in that lineup and bring guys off the bench to, in the eighth or ninth thing that could come up and give you big hits, which is why I have the Rays pretty much winning this uh, series dominantly. Um, we're just going to give the Red Sox that one game just because they're probably going to win one of the games at home. But overall, the Rays just dominate the series and go pretty far in this postseason, in my opinion, because I've seen them all year long just get it done, get it done. Not only against the Yankees, but against other great teams as well. From And they win different kind of ways, too. They they could dominate with their starting pitching. They could throw out a bullpen, bullpen game here, there, and dominate you that way. Or they could just score 10 runs on you, even if their pitching isn't going. So I've just seen them get it done over and over different kind of ways. And it's just crazy how good this team is, and they just can't fill up the stadium no matter what they yeah, try. That's so sad. <laughs> but um, so just one last question about this series. Do you think there's – I mean, you made it pretty clear. It has on the backs of the two gentlemen you mentioned, Endeavors and um, and Bogarts, but do you think there's any other possible way that the Red Sox could somehow figure something out to maybe take this series? It's hard for me to see it. Like, obviously, Endeavors and Bogarts – I don't think they're enough to carry an offense. I think it would just come down to the Red Sox starting pitching, just pitching so much better than they actually are. Like, say, Chris Sale comes out, and he's the Cy Young pitcher he was in the past. That one in the game, maybe another game where their starter pitcher goes five, one run, and then their bullpen goes absolutely uh, shut out. So maybe that's the kind of way, but I don't think their hitting is really what could win them the series. It would just be their pitching that kind of overperforms what they are really, really are. For sure. Jerk, do you think there's anything they could do? I think Dame said it. I think you just have to hope that your pitching just takes it to that next level. And you got you really got to rock the Rays pitchers as well. Um, when you look at that Rays roster, again, it's kind of we, – we talk about how well-built they are. There's not really a, a spectacular name on that team in terms of pitching. Tyler Glass now technically has been, of course. like he, He's so talented. But the rest of that lineup, like you can conceivably win any game. I think it's kind of a coin toss when you look at it. Uh, in regards to every other game. I would be really interested to see what Alex Cora does uh, with that roster. But at the end of the day, like, I, I just find it so hard, like you said. And, and this, the thing with baseball is, like, this sport that rarely happens, but we're really putting a lot of stock into the teams that have been so good this entire year, continuing to do that in the playoffs. And sometimes it happens, and sometimes it doesn't. And what are the rays to us, right? But I think it is the perfect storm because, like, we're talking about all the pitching with these teams. The Red Sox are the team where the reason they will win is because their pitching had to take it to a, a whole different level. Like the Astros, you know, yes, their pitching is fine, but they could get by as long as their hitters do their thing and their pitchers are you know regular. Same with the uh, same with all the teams we've talked about, right? We don't need to go too much into detail with the Giants and the Dodgers and some of those teams. But the Red Sox, they would have to be the team where their pitchers just, you know, from from like from five to like a, a twelve. On a scale of ten, they have to. They would have to do that in order to conceivably get a, a couple wins here and to get the series to a game five. And then when it gets to a game five, hey, then anything is possible. But until we see it, like you have to give the Rays their credence because this, it's probably. I know they made the World Series last year. They've made the World Series one or two other, at least one other time in franchise history. They've had good teams, but you could probably argue this is the best race team there's ever been. Like this, is probably the most, maybe the most talented team they've ever put on a diamond, and. I, this Red Sox team, this is just isn't the right team 
I, I think Dame is brings up a point with the Martinez injury. Like, yes, there's still some hitters on this team, but it, it's just not enough. It's not enough to make you think on the surface that they will be able to rock the Rays that they uh, like they hope they will. All righty, gentlemen. Well, that about wraps it up for the DS, you know, of the AL and the NL. So until the next round, we can't really get into much for analysis, but let's just uh, let's get some early season, not early season, early postseason <laughs> predictions going on here. Uh, Dame, who do you think we're going to finally see in, you know, the uh, World Series? I think it's going to be a rematch from last year. I have the Dodgers and the Rays. Uh, the Dodgers, is like I, I like I said before, they just have the overall best roster. And in the AL, it's just I just think the Rays, so you just, again, they just keep getting it done one way or another. I'd have them against the Astros, and I just think they're going to just wear down the Astros. They're going to actually shut down that offense because they have so many different kind of weapons in that bullpen to do it. And I see them do it last year, although they were up 3-1. And the Astros came back, like they still were up three one. And this year, I think they they're gonna learn from that. And if they are up in that situation, I'll tell them to close it out pretty early. But I do have the Dodgers in the Rays. Uh, do you want me to give my winner? Who you got winning it? I have the Dodgers winning it. I think they're gonna go back to back this year. Uh, I the Ray at the end of the day, the Dodgers do have what it takes to match up with the Rays. They do have that starting pitching. They do have that uh, elite bullpen, and they do have that lineup. That's not only a couple guys in the middle of the order, but from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And they, they just have they just have the same kind of roster structure as the Rays, but just better. Like they have that Mookie Betts, they have that Cody Bellinger, they have that Trey Turner. Like they have these guys that the Rays have that are so situation situationally great, but just better. In my like, it, it makes sense to me when I say it. No, <laughs> yeah, we we got a saying here. It's uh, it's basically uh, they're the Dodgers light. We yes, just throw yes, whatever team yeah. you think they are. Just throw the word light. Yes. Down. <laughs> Basically, yeah, yeah. Dodgers light, but just obviously a bit more star power in those kind of uh, positions. Yeah, for sure. Jerk, I'm going to just throw it in real quick. I 100% agree with Dame. Uh, that's my matchup. That's who I got winning it as well. Just you see the trades they made this season and overall structure. He said it best. So I'm not going to get deeper into it, Jerk. Do you see different than us? I will just for the purposes of the show for the viewers. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I like Dame kind of mentioned it. I do have Astros and Rays in the ALCS, and I know you bring up the point that they were up on them last season. Yes, the Astros had to come back and they fell flat in that game seven. But I think the Astros actually are the team best constructed on the AL side of things to challenge the Rays. I really do. I think the mm-hmm. vet, like to combat that Rays team that has a couple young pitchers in that lineup, you need experienced hitters. And mm-hmm. Jose Altuve, like we've already said the names Altuve, Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, Carlos Correa. All of them. I'm, just, I'm just saying names here to the point where like those guys are enough to match up with the Rays. And I think I think they actually could beat them. So I have the Astros making it out of the AL. And the NL, I have the Cardinals. No, I don't. Uh, I, I have the, the Los Angeles Dodgers making it out because I've stuck with them this entire time. Literally since last season, I got a nice Astros-Dodgers World Series because, because after all the talk, all the champions from last year got criticized that, oh, it's a bubble championship, it's a COVID championship, it doesn't count. How nice would it be for the Dodgers to come back, breeze through the NL, make it back to the World Series, and who do they see across from them? The team that took a World Series from them, yeah. that they believe stole a World Series from them. And in a legitimate, no questions asked, no COVID, no buzzers, trash cans, whatever you want to put, like in a straight series, the Dodgers would win that repeat 
with the back-to-back championships, being the first baseball team to repeat since, I believe, the early 2000s Yankees, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think anyone else has repeated since then in terms of winning the actual championship. It's a couple teams have made it in back-to-back years, but haven't won in back-to-back. Uh, but I would have the Dodgers winning it, and I'd have them winning in five because, like Dame said, they're just supremely talented. And I think, kind of like what Tampa Bay was in hockey, man, like, I think this is a little bit of a different postseason where it feels like the supremely talented team, like they deserve the credence of going all the way this time because they're, they're, they're just different, man. They're just built different. Like, we, I've already said it. Their top two options are Hall of Famers. Their top two options for pitching are Hall of Famers. They got a former NL MVP. They have uh, technically two because Kershaw won one in his career. They have Kershaw and Bellinger. Maybe he lights it up for the playoffs, right? They have Betts, who is a former AL MVP. They have Trey Turner. They have Justin Turner. <laughs> like, they just have the mashers. They, got it they, have, all. they have it all, they got man. It all. Like you said, Bars, the, the slogan for the show is they're blank light. And the, the Rays are Dodgers light. And there's a reason why the Dodgers are the original, because they, they, are, just a, they are just the team. And I got to give it to them this time. I say the Dodgers will repeat back to back. <laughs> Well, speaking of back-to-back, unfortunately, we're towards the back end of the show. Dame, thank you for joining us, man. Uh, it was a pleasure having you. Can't wait to have you for when it's the uh, A on NLCS show. If you are willing to bless us with your graces, of course. we'd be more than happy to have you, man. Uh, other than that, we've mentioned it plenty of times before. You can catch him on Thursdays on Subwood Sports. Is there anything else that uh, you're pushing out, man? Go ahead. Good people. Um, I have my own uh, sports blogging page. I haven't wrote there in a while because I've been really busy with my new job. But you can go check out old articles and some new ones that are coming out. Dame Sports, WordPress. I'm worried about all sports, football, basketball, baseball. So if you're interested in reading a couple articles, not too long. It's, it's good stuff. And I have also an Instagram page, same thing, underscore Dame Sports. And, of course, like James mentioned, Thursdays, Somewhat Sports, great podcast as well. You can check that out as well. It comes out on Friday mornings. Let me tell you guys, I think we're some funny people, me and Jerk, but uh, I've been on that show, and that show has been nine. Every- I got to mute myself. I laugh too hard when I'm with you guys. But once again, man, thank you for coming. Be sure to check him out, guys. He, you heard him. There's, there's very few times we have a guest that makes me feel dumb about baseball. And today was one of those times. So, Dave, thank you once again, man, for coming course, on. Thank you for being dressed, by the way, unlike, you know, shirtless wonder over here. Whoa, 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 whoa. Jerk, you told me you were going to open up the show a certain way. I had to flex a little bit. If you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. I ran a Spartan race this Sunday. Jerk said he had this whole intro for me coming up. So, you know, I had to pop out the muscles real yeah, quick. Yeah, I, 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 took, I, took I took that away after you had to wear that. Look, I brought the whole medal and everything. I was ready to show. <laughs> everybody but whatever <laughs> but either way everybody you know the drill guys follow us like subscribe spotify apple youtube twitter uh been trying to be more active with the twitter i think we have been but we'll be even more active with it other than that guys you know where it is wednesday 7 p.m thank you once again jerk k40 on twitter bars talks on twitter have a great night guys Bye.